talk to you a subject that has bothered me for years and years and years uh, that I've spoken to people. Um, I was raised uh, at 50s and 60s, born 51, and pretty much went to school from about 55, 56 on through 1970 when I graduated from high school. And I was uh, at a time of America where the public school my elementary public school had us memorize scripture. They had us memorize Psalm 100 and other parts of the Psalms, Psalm 19, Psalm 23, other. And our, our teachers were obvious, obviously born again. Most of our teachers were, however, in their 60s. And they retired and were replaced by 23-year-old, 24-year-old agnostic teachers, young women mostly, that did not believe. And did not, and so all that Bible stuff stopped. And then they began to, they used to teach creation. God created the heavens and the earth. You could, you believe what you want, but God, they'd teach a Bible. And then it switched by the time I got into junior high school. It was just evolution only. And they began to teach that. Of course, we were pretty skeptical. We that were born again Christians in that group were saying, well, that's not right. You know, what are you doing teaching that? We had a little bit of a hard time. Uh, but through the years, I have seen... Uh, evolution make it, take root in the minds of America. It did not used to be that way in my lifetime. And so it's not taken that long, taken 50 years or so, to make it almost that if you don't believe in evolution, you're some sort of an idiot fool. And um, I'm, I'm going to address the subject. And by the way, what's in the bulletin is not what I'm preaching. I figure, you probably figured that. But I will, I will preach that by the grace of God if I get to come back. I'll be gone for a couple of weeks. And then uh, if the Lord lets us come back, I will pick that up. The equality of Jesus with God, I think, is so important. It's a paramount doctrine of Scripture. But today I just was not allowed to have that freedom. And I'm going to preach to you another message here that God really moved upon me, which has been, I've been preparing this message for about 30, 35 years and never have preached it. But I finally got it done. He gave me the green light to go. How important is it to believe in the creation account of the Bible? How important is it to believe it? Many that I've talked to, even people that claim to be Christian, believe it's optional. Many Christians think that you can take it or leave it. Uh, what's maybe a sad commentary on this whole thing is um, the Southern Baptists convention has a official commentary. They call it the Broadman commentary. And the Broadman commentary says that the first 11 chapters of Genesis can be taken allegorically. Now, in 1971, I think it was, when I first, uh, I was a Southern Baptist, I was a member of Southern Baptist Church, and uh, I read the uh, beginning introduction of the Broadman commentary on the book of Genesis. I saw that. I immediately took it to our pastor, and I said, uh, preacher, did you know the Brahman commentary, which is of the official Southern Baptist commentary sanctioned by them, uh, puts into question 
the uh, literal interpretation of the words that the first 11 chapters of Genesis had. He said, yeah. He said, but you know, you can go either way on that. Obviously, I, I pulled out of the Southern Baptist Convention and became an independent Baptist. Because the independent Baptist people I went to said, no, the Bible is just to be taken the way it's written. Literally, honestly, straightforward. Like you take, by the way, everything else you read. Um, and so I thought, well, I can't be part of that group. The liberals to the moderate group of theologians out there often question, this is where they go, the absolute accuracy of the creation account. Creation is one of the first places in the Bible to be questioned. What well, makes sense? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First statement out of the mouth of God through Moses for you to read, if you start in the Bible, is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on with more detail after that. So it, it, it makes sense that it's the first place to get criticized. It's interesting that evolution had so, has so widely been accepted as scientific fact. Uh, is it Bill Nye, the science guy, is not a science guy. He's a preacher. He's a preacher of, of, of his theology. But it's not science. I took science. Most of you have taken science. I took college science. And I can tell you science is, has to be witnessed and tested. And if you can't witness it and test it, it's not science. It's just a belief that you have about something. And we've had Grady McMurtry here, which has oh, done a good job at representing the scientific facts that would indicate that the world was created instantaneously with appearance of age, and that the world that we live on is actually young. Seven to 10,000 years old. I don't know if that's young to you or me. It don't seem real young to you or me, but compared to the evolution theory, which just keeps pouring years and years and years. No real, there's no real scientific evidence after having sat through hundreds of hours in, in the bottom line is, listening to the, to the evolutionary and reading the books. Uh, there's no scientific fact to Darwin. It was a religion that he came up with. I think he was inspired, my personal opinion is he was inspired by the spirit of darkness to blind, because the Bible says that the God of this world had blinded the minds of them that, would, that believe not. Uh, this is where I'm going today. I'm talking about, and I'm trying to, un, I'm trying to strip the deception off of, of one of Satan's most successful weapons to keep people away from the Bible that he's ever come up with. And that is the theory of evolution. Because uh, there's really, as you look at it, no scientific evidence that there's been. We have absolutely never seen evolution to where it could be tested. There's no witness to it. Questionable, inaccurate age methods have been developed to try to tell us that this world is millions and the universe is billions and billions and billions. And I, I, I've been all over in the United States and most of the national parks, and I've gone, tried to go to the little 20-minute movies that they have there, and, and I always sit by the door. 
because I want to I want to go to the movie and I want to find out about this particular national park, Sequoia National Park, which my wife calls Sequoia National Park back there. But anyway, um, you know, you want to find out about these redwoods or whatever, or coastal redwoods, and you go to these parks. So you go to these little movies. They got 20 minutes, supposed to be educational, scientific movies. So you go in there, and immediately it starts says, so many billion years ago, we went to this one canyon where the color rocks went from red, uh, reddish to black. And they said, now them, them black rocks down at the bottom of the canyon now, them are, them are like billions of years old. But these red rocks now, they're only a few hundred million. Folks, it's the same rock. It's testable. But nevertheless, I got up and walked out of that. They just have radical assumptions. And assumptions are diametrically opposed to science. Millions and millions of years without proof. Uh, any, and by the way, anybody that questions the factualness which is an oxymoron, emphasis on the moron. Anybody that questions the factual uh, nature of evolution is considered mentally weak and stands against all credible science. Now, that's just a lie, straight up and down. Uh, The guy who, um, I guess he was one of the founders of the Weather Channel, has a tremendous little video out there, because he is a weather scientist, a meteorologist. He's got awards from all over the place. He, has, he, he said that over 30,000 meteorologists, scientists in the field, have signed a petition saying there is no such thing as man-made global warming. That's why President Trump doesn't believe it. And that's why the rest of his staff don't believe it. And that's why they pulled out of the European Accord, because it's based, not based on science, it's based on some sort of a religion to control. A fear. They call, they call us a fear mongers. We're not fear mongers. They're fear mongers. I had my cousin, which is a raving liberal. Uh, he called me up and he says, well, you live in Florida, right? Yeah. He said, well, you know, you're going to be underwater here pretty soon. I said, Really? I said, I'm 25 feet above sea level. He said, well, your whole coast will be underwater, and, and the, uh, the coast will now be by your house. I said, well, that will increase my value. Because <laughs> I said, that waterfront property always sells high. However, Brother Marty's property won't be too, it will be a good dive location. I mean, I said, come on, in 40 years, measurably by science, the ocean level at Fort Myers Beach has raised one quarter of an inch. We're in desperate danger. He and I would go round and round, and I had to eventually block him. I had to block him, he just started, because what he started doing was name calling. When you start really talking about facts, and you start looking at that measurable facts, they get so furious, so mad, so outrageous, they start name-calling you. And they got the whole list of, really, be honest with you, ingenious names. They got these ingenious names they call you, and they start, he started down the list with me. And I think I made most of them. And I said, now, you know, if you keep calling me names like that, I'm going to have to block you. And he said, well, you're this and that and this and that. I did it. And I'm glad to block the boy. He now raised it. 
both of us raised in independent fundamental homes that love Jesus. And here he's going off crazy like that. If evolution is true, the Bible account is not true. There's no compromise here. Theistic evolution is illogical and contradictive to the facts of the Bible. Creation is stated as a fact to be accepted by faith. It's just God saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is treated as fact in the Bible. Assumed and treated as fact in the Bible throughout the entire Bible. And the rest of the time we got together, I'm going to try to nail that down a little bit. It is assumed the reader of the Bible will accept it and believe what God has said. Some examples is the word created. It appears in the Old Testament 28 times. Now, something appears one time as big. Two times real big. Three times real big. 28 times. 28 times. In the New Testament, the word created, and, and by the way, contextually, it's talking about creation of the world now. It's not just talking about created faith or anything else. It's talking about the creation of the world because I looked each one of these up to be fair about it. In the New Testament, creation, and the word created around the being in the world and the universe being created by God, appears seven times. One time's big, two times big, three times real big, seven times. Let me say this. If you've got a kid and you tell him, don't touch that. Now, if you're doing right, you don't do it a second time. Second time, it gets a spanking. But let's say you're like most of these people. Uh, about the seventh time, don't touch that. Uh, that's big if you're going to say something seven times. I've been in a restaurant and heard a, heard a mother say, now, if you do that again, you're going to get If you do that again, you're going to get time out. If you're going to do it again, I'm ready to say, if you say to him one more time that that's going to be there, we are, call 911 because we're getting ready to have a scene here. The word creation appears, the word creation, that's around making the world, appears in the New Testament six times. So created appears seven times in the New Testament. Creation appears six times more in the New Testament. The phrase made heaven and earth. That's big. That God made heaven and earth. Now heaven means everything a Hubble telescope sees and anybody else sees by any other telescopes they look at. The Bible says that God made heaven and earth. That appears some 11 times in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament. So what am I saying? I'm saying the fact that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth is supported as fact and true all the way through the Scripture. Not just the Old Testament teaching, but the Old Testament and through the New Testament all the way through the book of Revelation is stated and assumed by the people writing the Bible, which we know who helped them, right? The Holy Ghost. Holy men of God were moved as a, as, as a spirit, you know, came on and moved them. And so we, we can assume then that the Spirit of God from the very first statement of the last is consistent to say that this thing was created by God. Now some scriptural samples of the use of what I just told you factually is the amount I want to give you. First, what did Moses say about it? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, you don't have to look at these. I'll read them quickly because I got too many of them for you to look at. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Now, some people want to say, well, the day in Genesis doesn't mean a 24-hour period. Yes, it does. 
It's a 24-hour period. Because when you see the same word used elsewhere in the Bible and it means a 24-hour period, come on. Right? If I, use, if I use it in the beginning of the Bible as Genesis as a, as a 24-hour period, and then I use it elsewhere and it's always in con context, a 24-hour period, then it must mean a 24-hour period. But, but, but some people have, in, in a knee-jerk reaction, thinking somehow Darwin has come up with some evidence to disprove the Bible. We better change our whole world, and we'll come up with a thing called theistic evolution, where God made everything, but he let it, he made it, he let it be made by evolution. No, that's just a knee-jerk reaction to Darwinism. It didn't, never needed to happen, and it was done by faithless individuals. They just didn't trust God. You're not going to disprove God. They're not going to come up with some evidence down the road to disprove God. They're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So Moses said in six days, he said in Exodus chapter 31, he says, it is, talking about the Sabbath, he said, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. Now in context, he's talking about the Sabbath day. The Sabbath what? Are you with me? Just too fast. He's talking about the Sabbath day. Not a period of millions of years. You come on the Sabbath day. He said, that's a sign. I'm giving you children of Israel. Why don't Christians worship on the Sabbath day? Because that's a sign for the children of Israel. The church's sign is the first day of the week, the resurrection day, today. That's why that's happened that way. God gave the Sabbath day for the children of Israel. And by the way, when he comes back, he's going to reinstitute that for them. Isaiah chapter 65, 66. And so six days, he says, I mean, and so... Isaiah, uh, let me give you the, the one, Ezekiel, I'm going through the Bible. Exodus chapter 31, 16 through 17, I want you to know that. Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, good king. Second Kings chapter 19, verse 15 says, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord of God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Nehemiah. He's a pretty big name in the Bible. Went back and rebuilt the walls. Of, and I've, I've, been on the, I've seen the wall he rebuilt. They've excavated it. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, Thou, even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven the heaven of heavens. Now that's what the Hubble telescope looks at. That's the, that's the uh, uh, all of them, the fancy names for all them things they see up there. I was going to name them out of my memory, but the memory shut down. Anyway, Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah 45, 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. That created the heavens. That's the, that's, you got three heavens. You got the atmosphere we got above us. You got it between. Then you got the heaven of heavens. The, the, the space, as it were, we call it. He says, God himself hath formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is none else. Uh, Peter, and going to the New Testament, Peter and John, uh, they were let go. They were railed on for, for healing a, a lame man by the, by the Sadducee, the Sanhedrin, and they let him go and threatened him. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, uh, they were praying, and when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They did not come from one primordial amoeba. 
It didn't. Paul, when he was just getting ready to get stoned at Lystra, and, and, not, and not the kind of stone that the young adults are getting. They're not. But Paul said this, Acts chapter 14, verse 15, and saying, Sirs, why do these, why do these things they were going to sacrifice to him? We also are men like pastors with you, preach unto you, and we preach unto you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. Uh, you know, they, were, they thought they were gods coming in the flesh because did, God did a miracle through them. And then this is the statement, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that are therein. The writer of Hebrews, whoever he was, Paul or Apollos, whoever it was, we don't know. Hebrews 1, 2 says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by a son who, son who hath the appoint, he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. It was not chance. It was not survival of the fittest. It was God saying, this is where the sea's going to go and it's going to stop right there. This is where the clouds are going to be and they're going to rain and replenish the water. They're going to take it by evaporation, put it back on the land. It's going to go back in the ocean, back in the land, back in the ocean. And yet, the levels are going to stay pretty much the same and the saltiness of it's going to stay pretty much the same. Wow. The writer of Hebrews, phenomenal. Then Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 2.13, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Absolutely no question that they believed in creation. It's clear that the Bible and the people who believe God's word accepted a literal six-day creation as fact. Often they use this to single out, when they were talking to groups of people, of which God they were referring to. When Paul was at Athens, Mars Hill, and they had all these religions, every kind of, they worshiped the birds, the bees, the flowers, and the trees. And they worshiped all this other, and they said, well, how am I going to talk to these people? Well, he says, you have a, you have a thing here to, uh, dedicated to the unknown God, because they missed one. And he says, let me introduce to you the unknown God who made heaven and earth to seize all that is in them. He went to the, 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 the statement of creation. Let me, let me take you to the God who created everything. That's how they distinguished him from all of the rest of those false gods. The God that we worship created all that you see and do not see. The visible and invisible. Whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. He created it all. That makes him a pretty big God, doesn't it? Also makes him capable of saving me. Also makes him capable of preserving me. Also gives me some confidence that when this old, this old uh, soul goes out of this body, that I'm not going to be lost by his grace. Because you know what he's proven to me? His word has power. But there's more. Believing in creation seems to be necessary, ultimately, for salvation. Now I'm going to get you thinking a little. 
The belief in creation ultimately seems to be necessary for your soul salvation. If that statement is true, and I'm going to try to show you why it's true, that's why the devil is going crazy on this area I'm talking about. Because if he can get you to disbelieve Genesis 1-1, he can discredit the whole bunch. If he can get you to believe the Bible's full of inaccuracies and errors and misstatements, and then you aren't going to rely on the book too much, are you? Hmm. Now, thinking about the rich man Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, verse 31, that's not a parable because no parables had actual specific names of people in the way there is, but Abraham was there. This rich man died, Lazarus died. And this, you know, Lazarus, he had some, or the rich man, I should say, had some brothers. He had five brothers. Now, I don't know how he knows all this. And today I can't explain it to you. It's too long. But somehow, after death, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He can see Abraham, and God arranged all that. He has a conversation with Abraham. They can hear each other. So you can hear after death, you can see after death, you can think after death, you care after death. You even remember somehow or another, know who's dead and who's not. He knew his five brothers weren't dead. They hadn't come to this place. He said, my five brothers are going to die. They're going to come to this place. Oh, send that Lazarus back over there. Tell them so they don't come here. And here's the answer he got in, in verse 31. And he said to him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. In other words, basically he says, if you don't believe the first five books of the Bible, if you don't believe what Moses said, well, what's he say? He says, if they hear not Moses. Now, the, the idea of hearing is not just hearing and, and it's understanding and accepting. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jim McCullum walked down the aisle this morning and came up here and said, let's lead, let's lead glory to his name, I mean, we get some attention. Because I went to his funeral. I know he got buried. I saw him put him in the ground. But he said, the miracle of a resurrection that could not be disputed is not as big as the belief in the credibility of what Moses wrote. Wow. That's unbelievable. That's a head turn. And John, take your Bibles to this. I want you to go to this because you need this. You need this verse. John chapter 5. Verse 46, 47, my son called me up. I love it once in a while, once a year or so when my son calls me. And, and uh, one thing I've never, I never have a complaint about Troy is seeing him too much. I, I wanted to raise a boy that was very independent, and I succeeded. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not complaining. I think it's good. As long as he lets me use his boat for a month, I'm good. But he... He brought this verse to my attention. I, I, you know, of course, I'm his dad. You know, I've been in the Bible a little bit longer than he has. But nevertheless, I'm, I'm thrilled when my son calls me and tries to tell me about the Bible. That nothing greater, nothing makes me happier. Why, it, it, it would make me happier if he, if he told me a hot fishing spot. No, no. He says in 546, For had ye believed Moses, these are Jesus' words, ye would have believed me. 
Let that soak in. Had you believed Moses, you'd believe me. Verse 47, but if you believe not his writings, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How shall ye believe my words? I think as, a, as an accountant does, he put two lines under that. That's the bottom line. The question seems to be raised as to Moses' credibility here. If you doubt Moses' authenticity, credibility, and genuineness, how can you trust what follows? The first five books are Moses. Much of what we know of God comes from Moses. And Moses testified to the coming of Jesus. Genesis 3.15, Deuteronomy 18, and other places in every one of his books. He testifies to the coming Messiah. So if somehow there's not, there, there is corruption entered into Moses and the writings of Moses, then you aren't going to believe on me either. Because if that can happen, it can happen anywhere. And we all might as well just get up and go somewhere else and go fishing. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The whole thing of your salvation rests on the credibility of the Word of God. Why do you think we're so funny, so fussy about using the old King James Bible? Because we believe that God's hand's been upon it supernaturally, preserved it over 400 years. The translators, the 40 plus guys that assembled to, to translate this book have never been assembled again. There's not been any, that much intelligence, and if I may say, an intelligent pool of men since. We believe it was supernaturally done so that the English-speaking people of the world could have a reliable translation of the Bible. Isn't it interesting to you that English is the world language? Interesting, isn't it? Not accidental. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and after the resurrection, he, a couple of his disciples, he was trying to explain to them what had happened. He, Luke chapter 24, verse 27, if you want to go there, you don't have to. And he said in the beginning at Moses, Jesus himself, that he hid... They did not recognize him for who he was because he has the ability to hide your your hide it from you. He can keep you from recognizing him. That's no doubt. And so he didn't let them recognize who he was, and he walked with them, and he just talked with them about what had happened in Jerusalem and everything. And so and he said, Man, you, you people don't believe what, what the, all the prophets testified to, that the Messiah came and died and buried, and now is resurrected. You don't, you don't believe that? And he went, and here's what he did. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. <laughs> if they did not believe the credibility of Moses, the very first place he went was Moses. I can't tell you as a parent how important what I'm saying to you today is for your children. All I, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, and I, I, and a statement I'm going to make, I put a bunch of loving peaches on it. But how dare you expose your sweet little children 
to the biggest lie that the devil's ever spoken, evolution. And if you send them to public school, they're going to get it there. And they're going to get it there by so-called credible people, so-called scientifically based people. And they're going to get pounded with it and pounded with it and pounded with it. And that's why we don't send our kids to secular colleges. Because every one of them secular professors just about preaches and believes in evolution. And they preach it and they make you feel like an idiot if you don't believe it. I went to Indiana University for a year. And the guy in my economics class laughed about Oh, you people that believe there's an invisible hand of God. It made me feel like a fool right in the middle of all that class. So I got up and gave him a track afterwards. When I gave him a track, he said, you'll never get above a C minus in this class. Oh, it's a sweet world. I got a C minus. Got an A on a test. Got a C minus the final grade. Because he wasn't going to give me above a C minus. There's persecution. Now, folks, this is serious today. We're talking about whether your children doubt the Word of God as truth. Now, look, if you doubt it, I understand why you, would, why you wouldn't care. But if you doubt it, I'm worried about your salvation because your salvation is based on faith, and faith has something to do with credibility. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, in verse 31 of the first chapter, it says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, that's not, that's not five million years. The evening and the morning. You have the sunrise, sunset, one 24-hour day. There's so much proof about that. It's just crazy that people believe. But let me tell you. The Bible describes the devil as the deceiver of the whole world. That's his description in the Bible. And I can say he successfully deceived the majority of the whole world on this topic. He's also deceived them on abortion is not murder. That's another one he's done a really good job on. And there and Oh, that you don't need to be married. You can just live together. That's another one. He re- Oh, there's another one. That you can change genders. Oh, he's done a good job. Oh, that being a homosexual is fine. Oh, that being an adulterer and an immoral person is okay. All of those are lies that someday you're going to face. I'm here. The Bible says God sends these prophets rising up early and sending. I'm here. This morning, you're here this morning. This is not a coincidental meeting this morning. This is a divine appointment that, by the way, less than 100 years from now, you'll be seeing Jesus eyeball to eyeball. If I was you, I'd humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I'd say, God, have mercy on me for my unbelief. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And what's, and what's here's what's wild about this. When I was a young man, I took all this by simple childlike faith, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. Okay, just faith, right? But as I've grown older, guys like Henry Morris, that were scientists, and, and, and people like Grady McMurtry, which are scientists, and, and Hovine, and some of these other guys that have gone around, they 
have shown that there actually is evidence for creation. Strong, physical evidence. Now, I don't need it. We're having Grady come back here pretty soon. Really, we don't need any evidence for creation. But I don't mind it. Because I believe it without any evidence. Because the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit testified with my spirit that it's true. Do you believe Moses? Jesus said he testified to me. May God help us too. Father, help us this morning. May your blessed Holy Spirit take that which has been said. Erase any error in it. Oh my, I wouldn't want to say one thing in error. But Father, the truth of the Word of God this morning, may it penetrate through the darkness. Ban the devil from this room. Ban the demonic forces from this room. The blinding ministry that they have may it not be allowed. And may the eyes of these folks be open. That they may see the truth. And the truth will set them free. And trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. By the way, the Bible says of Jesus in Colossians, He made, he made everything. By Him all things consist. The Savior hanging on Calvary was the creator of all that is. Father, we pray that there be Christians here that have compromised in this area. They've been, they've been intimidated. They've been, they've been uh, pounced upon and tried to be shamed. And God, help us to stand for truth. The evolution folks have really nothing to argue with. Presumptions without proof. And they, they condemn us for having faith when they, all they got is faith. Father, we just pray that you just help the folks in this room make the right decisions concerning this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.